0: This is Beyond Belief Sobriety, a podcast and community for people who are seeking or who have found a secular path to recovery from addictions of all kinds. Hello, and thank you for spending some time to listen to our podcast. I hope it's a good experience for you and that it adds a little something extra to your stockpile of recovery capital. In this episode, I am speaking with Joanna Conti, the CEO of Vista Research Group and the chair of the board for the nonprofit Conquer Addiction. Vista Research Group helps drug and alcohol rehabs measure treatment outcomes, and Conquer Addiction helps families find effective rehabs based on those reported outcomes. There's also an interesting personal story behind how and why Joanna started these two organizations. It's really an interesting discussion that I'm sure you'll enjoy. But before we get into the episode, I would like to thank our sponsor, Soberlink. If you're seeking a tangible way to maintain accountability and prove sobriety to loved ones, you have to try Soberlink. If you haven't heard of Soberlink, they've created a remote alcohol monitoring system that revolutionizes the way people document sobriety. The system includes a breathalyzer and uses artificial intelligence to display your test results in a calendar format, helping you analyze your habits and prove to yourself and others that you are, in fact, not drinking. It even has real-time results, facial recognition, and tamper detection, so no one will question the validity of your results. Soberlink and I have created a guide called Five Tools and Strategies for Those on a Secular Path to Recovery that you can find at Soberlink.com BBS. If you're ready to take the next step in your recovery journey, mention the Beyond Belief Sobriety podcast when ordering Soberlink and you'll receive $50 off their device. And now, episode 258, Joanna Conti, Measuring Addiction Treatment Outcomes.
1: Well, I'm the mom of four, a serial entrepreneur, um, have had a very diverse background, but my interest in addiction treatment started when one of my daughters developed a very serious alcoholism problem, and she was repeatedly drinking to lethal levels or potentially lethal levels. And over the course of quite a number of years, I found myself in the emergency room with her on different occasions where she had blood alcohol levels, you know, far beyond what people often die of. And sometimes she'd been airlifted there. (laughs) We really went through the ringer. And each time it was very apparent that I needed to find really effective treatment for her because her life depended on it. And unfortunately, Each time, I was forced to rely on a chance comment that somebody had made here or there. One time, it was at a picnic a couple of months before. If you ever need treatment again, you might check out this place. And so in these moments of crisis, I would remember, try and remember what people had told me and um, would call these different treatment centers. And of course, they were always so nice. And I would say, and what's your success rate? And they'd go, oh, trust us. We're one of the best. (laughs) And the good news is we always found really effective treatment. And as a result, my daughter has been in recovery now for about nine years and has completely turned her life around as the loving mom of two little girls, has a wonderful career, a loving husband, home in suburbia. I mean, all the wonderful things that we really hope our kids can grow up to achieve. But when the worst was behind us, I said, you know, I don't understand. Why isn't there a better way for the families coming behind us to find the treatment centers with the best outcomes? I mean, we're all thrown into this world that we know nothing about. And the stigma behind addiction is such that even if your next door neighbor might have gone through a very similar thing with their child or their spouse, they probably didn't talk about it. So you're thrown into this world where your loved one's life depends on your being able to find really effective treatment. And you don't even know where to start. You don't know what questions to ask.
0: So is this how you came up with the idea for the database, the searchable database that you have now?
1: Yes. Uh, When the worst was behind us and Karina was apparently on her road to recovery, I decided I would create a website where families searching for treatment could put in whatever they were looking for. I need it in this state. It needs to take this insurance. It needs to be this type of treatment, 12-step, not 12-step. I, I need it to be detox or outpatient or, you know, I need it to take this particular medication. You know, whatever is of importance to the families. And um they would just enter this information in a minute, and then they would get a list of all the treatment centers that met their criteria with those with the best independently verified success rates on the top of the list. So I created this website back in 2015, just kind of as a side project. I was running a different company at the time. And then I started talking to treatment center owners. And I you know, had a big list of treatment centers across the country. And I was horrified to discover that there were only five treatment centers in the entire country who were tracking their outcomes and would share their results publicly.
0: Incredible.
1: It is incredible. I mean, this is health care. You know, if, if my daughter had leukemia, I would be able to go on the website I would be able to find... You know, which doctors were having great success with different treatments and which hospitals had the best success rates and so forth. And yet for addiction treatment, there's really been nothing that existed.
0: And you're an engineer, so you're a problem solver. So you have a, <laughs> you have a problem here, right? <laughs> and you, uh, you looked at solving it and you, you're also really good um, with data. And um, so you you kind of, I guess you knew that you could find a way to, if you could get this information from these treatment centers, that you could probably do something that's helpful for the public, I guess. Is that what you kind of went through your mind?
1: Well, I almost gave up. I mean, it's like, what do you mean? They're no, this is addiction treatment centers aren't monitoring their outcomes. That's crazy. But instead of just giving up, I I guess I'm pretty stubborn. (laughs) I decided to go to one of the addiction treatment conferences and start talking to different treatment center owners. And I said, I don't get it. Why aren't you tracking how effective your treatment is? And enough of them said that they wanted to, but they didn't know how to do it, that I thought, well, there's a business opportunity here. And I've, as I mentioned, I have a very diverse background. I am a chemical engineer. I'm a researcher. um, I've started international nonprofits. I've even run for Congress of all things. But one of the things I had done was I had taught myself how to program. And I had spent five years running a software company in the 90s. So, I could look at the problem of how would you cost effectively measure the effectiveness of addiction treatment? And I thought, we can figure out how to do this. And so, again, as a side project, I started concrete, or I'm, I started Vista Research Group to measure the effectiveness of addiction treatment. And then shortly after I had started down that path, I was digging into all of the academic research behind addiction treatment and what makes it most effective. And I discovered a study that showed that if you ask patients how they're feeling during treatment and report those results to their clinicians in some very easy to understand fashion, that patients get better faster during treatment. So I said, well, that's an obvious thing to add to what we've been providing, what we're all planning to provide our treatment center clients. So we have been providing both uh, during treatment monitoring of the patients that's, you know, live in real time, everything's done online, um, you know, on a tablet or a phone or a computer and is shown to the clinicians in very easy to understand graphs instantly. And then once they leave treatment, we follow up with the patients one, six, and 12 months afterwards to find out how are they doing? Are they meeting their treatment goals? How
0: would you define success and whether or not a person's meeting their their goal?
1: Well, it's kind of interesting. There's two very different camps in addiction treatment and, and in the recovery community, there's a group that really believes in their heart of hearts that you to, to, to really achieve long-term recovery, if you have an addiction, you need to stop ever using drugs or alcohol again. And we'll call that the abstinent group, the abstinence group. Those are the traditional addiction treatment centers. And then there's another group. That believes that um, the most effective way for some individuals to regain control over their lives and to stop using the, uh, the heaviest drugs that they might be addicted to is to follow some harm reduction policies. So, uh, you know, maybe somebody's been um, injecting opioids for several years, that person might say, I really want to never use opioids again, but if I want to have a few beers on the weekend or smoke some pot, don't hassle me. I will still consider that a success. So most of the business that, uh, most of the treatment centers that VISTA has worked with up to this point have followed the abstinence model, but we're in the process of doing similar research with medication-assisted treatment centers And in that case, we're allowing the patients to tell us, this is what I consider success. You know, at the start of treatment, they will say, you know, I don't want to use any meth. I don't want to use opioids. I don't want to use um, amphetamines, uh, you know, et cetera. But I think it's okay if I use... Alcohol occasionally, and and um, marijuana, and you know whatever they can tell us each on each type of substance what they consider success for them, and then we will measure how they're doing against the goals that they set themselves.
0: Okay, so interesting. So you're actually while they're in treatment, you're monitoring how they're doing while they're in treatment, and then you follow up afterwards. And how long is that period after they get out of treatment again that you follow up?
1: Usually it's one, six, and 12 months. We want to see how they're doing over the first year. We have a couple of our treatment centers that follow up for longer than that. It gets harder and harder to reach patients because people's cell phones change. And if they've been in recovery for several years, they think, you yeah, know why are you still asking me these questions? I was the old me. I'm you know, i'm I've gone on with life, you know, <laughs> so typically we follow up for a year.
0: And did I read that it actually takes two years of data for you to know really how they're how they're doing, how treatment center doing.
1: Well, the challenge is I, we consider one year outcomes the most important uh, um, statistic and realize that we want to monitor a reasonable number of patients. So it typically takes a treatment center a full year of discharging patients or bringing new patients in so that the clock starts. And then at the end of two years, we have a a year's worth of results for a year's worth of patients. But we do report six month data also. And of course, we report one month data to our clients also. But, um, you know, what we found is that uh, there's a higher percentage of patients who are typically meeting their treatment goals at one month. On average, we found that about 42% of patients are reachable and say that they're meeting their treatment goals at one month post-treatment or, you know, for in the abstinence, short-term, a model of treatment. And then typically it will drop to about 36% of patients who say they are abstaining from drugs and alcohol for at least the last 30 days at six months or a year. And we know that this is a chronic disease. So, you know, if somebody relapses maybe four months after they've left treatment, but they're able to regain active recovery. We consider that success. Yes
0: I think I think that's how more uh, people in, that are professional that uh, deal with addiction are looking at it is you know recovery being a process of change so that if you have if you have a lapse but you, then you get back on on your um, recovery plan that you know you haven't lost anything, you're still moving But then there's another thing such as a complete relapse where you go back into the behavior full- time and, and uh, for a, an extensive period of time, so that that is interesting that you would look at it that way, and that's from what I've been reading is how a lot of people are looking at it now. It seems seems to be anyway. So I, I was wondering, how many now? Now that you started doing this, how how many treatment centers have you been able to get to provide this data? Has it improved a lot or or much?
1: It's been surprisingly difficult to. Um, to get a lot of treatment centers um, monitoring their outcomes. Over the years since we've started, we've worked with you know well over a hundred, maybe 150, 200 different treatment centers. Um, and what we find is that the treatment centers that sign up with us and stay with us, because we have a lot of long-term clients who've been monitoring their outcomes for years, they tend to be uh, of, a, of a particular uh, mindset. They tend to be people who really deeply believe in helping every single one of their patients as much as they possibly can. And they want to know what their outcomes are. And they want to figure out how, once, once we know where we were last year, how do we keep improving? So we offer performance improvement workshops and other things where we work with our clients to help them continually improve. And one of the most exciting things we found is that among treatment centers that are doing their outcomes, that have been monitoring their outcomes for more than a year, more patients are in recovery the second year they're monitoring their outcomes versus the first. On average, 20% more patients are doing well six months or a year later uh, on the second year that a treatment center has been monitoring their outcomes. And I think it's because Peter Drucker was right. You know, what gets measured gets managed. If you can measure it and see how you compare to those of similar treatment centers Then you've got a baseline and then you can figure out, well, maybe if we do more of this or a better job of that, we can help even more patients.
0: Yeah, it just makes sense. I mean, you can can learn, you know, what you might want to change in your model to help more people. Do you know, is there any advocacy work going on to maybe get state legislatures or maybe even Congress to, and if not, if it doesn't have to be a law, can there be some sort of regulation or some, either a regulation or a law in place that requires um, rehabs to have their report their results.
1: <laughs> I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, there was a congressional committee meeting a couple of years ago where several um, congressional members said, wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to have a site where families could Wouldn't go <laughs> and they could have the treatment centers ranked, you know, by independently verified success rates. And I'm thinking What a great yes, idea. <laughs> yes, we could do that. Let's do that. <laughs> but I don't know that this is going to be you know, coming from government um, and the, the the insurance companies and so forth talk a lot about doing outcomes, but what they tend to mean is those things that they can more easily measure in their data, you know, in the data they're already collecting. And they tend to focus on more process-oriented things, like, did somebody contact them 30 days after they left treatment? and. Did they have to be readmitted to a treatment center? What we're really looking for is, is that person doing well? I mean, we're looking at it from a family standpoint. I want to know, is my daughter going to be alive and thriving a year from now? Is she more likely if she goes to center A or center B? That's really the question that we were trying to answer from a very consumer
0: standpoint. And also, uh, you mentioned earlier on that the database is set up so that people can search for, you know, programs that fit with what they want. So I often will get emails because this podcast is kind of the niche for this podcast is is people that are seeking a secular way to recovery. And a lot of them are kind of shy shy of the 12 steps. And I get emails from people asking me, how can I find a treatment center that doesn't press let me to do the 12 steps. And I said I don't really know until I saw this <laughs> on your website.
1: <laughs> well, what happened? Yes. Um there's there's a group that really loves 12 step recovery <laughs> know, all, meetings, meetings. There and there's another yeah, group that doesn't that's like them at like, all. Yep. Exactly. And you know, we don't, we don't have a, a no, pony don't, in this No, race, you, you know? don't
0: want to get in the mess of that, that fight. You really don't.
1: <laughs> I believe that for different people, there's different roads to recovery, and we need to help them find the road that they think will be most successful for them. And I bet and, your
0: data shows that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, it does.
0: That you can see that if if you can tailor the approach, meet the person where they are, and give them the type of treatment that is best for them, you'll have a better outcome, I'm sure
1: yes exactly and there's no there's no perfect treatment i mean we have um you know we we provide excellence in treatment awards through through my nonprofit conquer addiction for the treatment centers each year who have proven that they have the best post treatment success rates and some of them are 12 step all the way some of them are the opposite of 12 step one of them uh, was talking at our um, our meeting where we uh, gave out the awards this year that he was convinced the reason their program was so successful was all about the family program and bringing the families in and so everyone has their different approaches and, you know, the, the bet, the wonderful news is there is a lot of really effective treatment out there. There is some that is maybe not so effective, but you can find really effective treatment. And that's the great news.
0: So when um, I love the website, by the way, uh, for conquer addiction, it's designed so that anyone, you know, it's very easy to use and you can, you can find what you're looking for. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about how you rank a rehab and you have a five-star rating score, I guess. I wonder how you, how you go through that. And do you, is there ever a time where someone might get bumped up a star or down a star?
1: Yes, uh, absolutely. Um, The any treatment centers that want to be ranked on conquer addiction which by the way, for anyone listening in, it's conquer-addiction.org. Conquer-addiction.org. But um, what they have to do is submit outcomes research that has followed the standards set by Conquer Addiction's independent panel of judges. So we got a lot of, we got a, a number of experts in research techniques and and addiction treatment to set what they consider to be a standard for outcomes research. And any treatment center that is following this standard is welcome to submit results to Conquer Addiction once a quarter. Uh, And they have to keep their results updated once a year. So every quarter you know, treatment centers have the option to uh, submit new data based on the most recent year. And once a year, they must submit new data or um, they'll stop receiving their ranking.
0: Okay. So I imagine, I haven't actually looked up um, rehabs in Yelp, but I imagine that a lot of people do that. Um, Have you ever used Yelp to look for a restaurant or something? So that I imagine, isn't as good as 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 what you're doing. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? I mean, you're, the difference between a scientific uh, research uh, and, and ranking someone based upon data and then the personal opinions that you might read on the internet.
1: Realize that this is a very competitive industry and treatment centers will spend hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to advertise for um, patients. there In the past, there have been all sorts of horror stories about patient brokering and stuff like that. Fortunately, I don't think that happens as much. But most of the websites that you will find when you search best rehab near me or whatever, most of those are owned by either a treatment center or by someone who is taking the information on that patient and providing it to people they are they have an agreement of some sort with. Also, people who work in the industry have told me, many people have told me, that it's often part of your admission counselor's job to try and make sure that some very positive ratings go up on Yelp and things like that. And they may or may not be true. So unfortunately, this is, it's, you're already in crisis and it's very hard to determine what is really reliable information.
0: And you have to make a fast decision.
1: Exactly. You're in crisis. I mean, I, I remember one time my, my daughter was in the hospital and um, the doctor pulled me aside. She was in there, you know, with an incredibly high blood alcohol level. And he'd asked her, he said, you know, you're taking poison. How do you decide how much you're to take, how much to drink? And she said, I just guzzle, right? So he pulled me aside. He said, I can keep her for 24 hours you know, under the, you know, a broad umbrella that she's a risk to herself. But you have to find someplace for her in 24 hours. And so, you know, I went back. And fortunately, in the middle of the night, my mind dredged up this conversation from a picnic six months before. And I was able to go back to the ER the next morning. And um, fortunately, my daughter was Able to be talked into going to this center, and she, as I said, we went through the ringer. But my daughter was a very wonderful person, and she did want to get sober. She was just scared to death of it, of life without alcohol. Like so many people who are addicted, they don't understand how wonderful life can be without it, and it's it's part of the addiction. It's very scary to agree to try and. Stop using.
0: So I read one of your blog posts that I I thought it was interesting. It said be skeptical of the treatment center who claims like an eighty percent or seventy percent success rate. I wonder if you can talk about that a little bit.
1: Sure. When I was searching for treatment centers, um, I would call the different treatment centers that I'd heard of and or that I found on the website, and I would ask them questions. And I always asked about what their success rate was, and I had. A number of centers told me they had 80% success rate. I had one owner tell me he had 98% success rate. <laughs> <It> <laughs> and I thing, thought, thing is true. <laughs> in what alternative universe right. do you think I live in that I would believe that? I mean, this is a very difficult disease. And unfortunately, it often takes more than one attempt for someone to achieve long-term recovery. This, this is also a very difficult group of people to catch up with after treatment. So when Vista Research is trying to reach these patients at 1, 6, or 12 months, we will reach out to them by text, by email, by phone. We will make 10 to 15 attempts to contact them each time. We will pay them a little bit to take the surveys. We'll instantly send a Target or a Starbucks gift card as soon as they submit the survey. We promise the patient's confidentiality so they know they can tell us they're using again, and it won't be devastating to their clinician that, you know, had worked so hard with them while they'd been in treatment. Uh, So, and we also will reach out to locator people like a mom or a spouse that the, former patient had t- given us permission to contact in case their cell phone number no longer works, for example. So we work really hard to reach out to patients after treatment. And we typically can reach about 50%, 45 to 60% of patients after treatment. But somebody who tells you that they've got 80% success rate or 90% success rate what they're probably doing is reaching a tiny fraction of their population and saying, well, you know, we contacted 50 patients out of the 500 patients that went through our treatment center last year. And of the 50, you know, uh, 45 45 of the 50 said they were doing great. So we have a 90% success rate. Well, it doesn't work that way because the 50 people who you were able to contact are far more likely to be doing well than the 450 that ignored you.
0: (laughs) And it's more like in the 36%, 35% range, the success right now. And are you noticing a difference But you're noticing a difference, I think, for those that do measure it. So I'm wondering if we could get more rehabs to actually measure their results
1: Do you think that that success rate overall would go up? Absolutely. I believe that is the least expensive, fastest way that we can help more patients recover from addiction is to improve the effectiveness of the addiction treatment that they're attending.
0: And are there, are you the only company that that's doing this that you know of? Is there anyone else that's doing this kind of work?
1: There are a few companies that say they're doing this kind of work. I don't think that there's anyone else who is reaching out and, and getting this, getting as uh, successfully reaching as high percentages of patients, former patients as we are. I don't think there's anyone else that's close.
0: Well, you know, you had a passion for this. I mean, this is something you really believed in and you really were wanting to help people. Plus you had the skills to do it. You know, you had you had this way of thinking to be able to do this, and to put the two together is probably pretty rare. I'm sure that there are other people that might do the research, but maybe they don't have the personal experience, the to, to or the passion or the drive to to kind of make this work.
1: <laughs> it could be, you know, early on I was raising a teeny bit of money for uh, our our company, a hundred thousand dollars, which for People who were starting companies, you know, that that is a that that we've run very lean and mean, but one hundred thousand dollars, you know, wasn't going to make or break the ability to create a successful company. And the the company that was the governmental entity that was considering giving us this funding required me to come back in seven times over a six month period. (laughs) And for $100,000. And I finally said, guys, I don't understand it. What gives? You're talking $100,000. This is my seventh time over six months. And they said, Joanna, what you're doing is so obvious. We can't believe that somebody else hasn't done it. I said, I'm with you. I can't believe it either, but I can assure you that they haven't. And so I've given a lot of thought to, maybe there are some real advantages of being from outside an industry in terms of affecting change, because I could come in and I could use the same sort of research we'd used in other types of industries and stuff. And I could just say, Oh, well, we could do something similar over here versus somebody that had been in, you know, spent their entire career, maybe in addiction treatment wouldn't necessarily make that jump.
0: I, th- I think this is just incredible. I, I, my, my feeling that I keep thinking back to, it just seems like there should be some sort of regulation in place to make this a requirement because it's like, it seems to me that, that corporations are required to, you know, um, put out their results and to their shareholders and the, and in, in, in industries like in the medical field, I would think that, you know, they have to report some sort of, maybe they don't, I don't know. It just seems like there should be some sort, it should be required, but it's not going to happen, I'm sure.
1: I, I don't think that's the way change is going to come. What I really think is the secret and is how change is going to happen most quickly is if families or individuals searching for treatment start asking about success rates, like I did 10 years ago for my daughter. If they are trying to decide where to go, and they talk to treatment center X or treatment center Y, and they say, you know, I I really wanted my son to come here, but I don't understand. Why aren't you tracking your outcomes? If the admissions counselors start hearing that a few times, I don't think it's going to take much. I think that's going to be what is going to drive the change in the industry. Because everyone understands in principle that this is the right thing to do. But if they're not required to do it from the government or from payers or from families who are, you know, sending their loved ones to treatment, it's always easy to say, you know, we'll do that next quarter, which is what I hear all the time. Oh, you know, it's it's we we definitely want to do that. Give me a call around the first of the year. <laughs> And and what we've done is we've done everything possible to keep our costs really really low because we want every treatment center to be able to afford to do outcomes research both the during treatment and the post treatment. And so compared to a marketing budget, it might be, you know, it might be for a mid-sized treatment center 25,000 a year or 40,000 a year to do the whole range of outcomes. It's not a huge amount, and this might be a, a center that might be spending three hundred thousand dollars on advertising, and for just a you know just a little bit, they could help ensure that their patients are getting better quickly, and you know are, they could measure how effective they truly are against. Similar treatment centers. So, my request to anyone listening out there is if you find yourself where you do need to find effective treatment, and my heart goes out to you because I know that means you're in a very difficult place. But if the way we're going to change this industry is if enough people start demanding outcomes. And I don't care if it's through Vista Research Group or somebody else. This is a mission to save lives, and um, we know a sign of success will be when there are other outcomes companies out there competing against Vista. And I'm fine with that. I'm I'm looking forward to that to that day. I just want to help more people recover as quickly as possible. So I. I think I forgot to answer one of your questions about um, how we give the, the star ratings. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry about that. So what we do is a very simple question that we base our ratings of the effectiveness of a treatment center on. And that is what percentage of your patients are reachable and say they're meeting their treatment goals six months or a year after they leave treatment, if they're in a short-term treatment center, or what percentage are meeting your treatment goals a year after you start treatment, if you're going to a treatment center that's designed to be an ongoing treatment, like, you know, somebody who's um, taking suboxone long-term or something like that. So it's very simple. Um, What percentage basically, are reachable and say they're meeting their goals.
0: That makes sense. I would like to, if you don't mind, I, I've done this before, but I'm actually going to like to do another video on that website <laughs> alone. I would like to demonstrate uh, that, vit, that website, that the database to show people how to use it and how to access it, because I think it's such a great tool. And I have a little resources thing in my YouTube channel where I would put that so that people can, you know, how to find a good treatment center that has outcomes that you can you know, verify, I just think it's important to, to have that out there. And I'd like to do that. So um, John, thank you. That
1: would be fabulous. My, you know, one of the things I do worry about is there are still so few treatment centers that are doing their outcomes. So if somebody goes to conquer addiction and they search for treatment in a, in a particular place, uh South Dakota or something They may not find one that meets their needs, and that's very devastating, Um, but if enough people start demanding that treatment centers do um, prove how effective they are and publicly share those results when they're proud of them and ready to share them, then I think that database will grow very quickly over time
0: I think you're right I think the consumer demand is what will probably push that industry into into doing that but thank you this has been just really interesting it's an interesting story it's an interesting company that you have uh, the work that you do is uh, just incredible to me I mean there's a lot of there's a lot of work involved with that and uh, it's uh, I know that recovery can be very complex and addiction can be complex and uh, it's a scary time for families when they're dealing with it and to be able to have a place to go where, you know, you've got some reliable data to back up the effectiveness of a treatment center, or even to know what kind of a treatment center is right for your loved one, you know, um, is just invaluable. So thank you for doing this. It's, it's been, uh, it's, it's a good, it's good service.
1: John, thank you so much for helping us spread the word. I really appreciate what you're doing too.
0: I've enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much.